It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast where Mary Kay Cabin and I answer questions from our Football Insider subscribers. And as you could guess, they had all sorts of them about Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, the state of the offense, and the state of the Browns in general. So that's coming up here on our podcast. If you're not one of our Football Insider subscribers, you should sign up now. Go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get a daily newsletter delivered straight to your inbox. Get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns and become one of our text subscribers. Again, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get all the information and get yourself signed up. Get involved and become a Football Insider subscriber. Okay, here we go. Our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Hey, Mary Kay Cabot edition and Mary Kay, let's get right to it. As you can imagine, a lot of people want to talk about Odell Beckham Jr., the state of the Browns, all of that. Let's just start with Odell Beckham Jr. This comes from Larry and Medina. Straight up, hey, Mary Kay, we're, we're recording this on Monday, so he actually used the right word in this, uh, this text he sent us. Hey, Mary Kay, will the Browns be trading Odell Beckham Jr. today? Well, that is a great question. Uh, I actually really do believe that Odell would welcome a trade at this point uh, so that he could go somewhere where he would be used and really have an opportunity to contribute to a team that is playoff bound, right? Because if somebody's going to trade for Odell at, at this point in the season, it's a team that really thinks that he could be the last piece of the puzzle, right? So if, if something like that happened, he would probably be going to a contender. Uh, so I think he would want to do that, especially after what happened on Sunday, one target for six yards. Uh, you could see that there was some frustration, some consternation later in that game about some of the things that were going on. And, uh, and I, I think he's, you know, I, I think he's been very patient. I think he's been the good soldier. Uh, I think he's played hurt and he's done everything that's been asked of him. But I, I think it is time for them to at least explore moving him and just putting an end to this folly. It never worked. It never worked out right. And uh, if they can get anything for him, fine. Uh, if not, you know, you would still be saving a bunch of money. It's really not about what you can get in return in terms of draft pick compensation. It's basically kind of cutting your losses, eliminating some of the distraction freeing Baker up a little bit on the field because he plays a little bit more of an unencumbered brand of football when Odell's not out there. Uh, and then, and saving yourself about 8 million bucks in cash. So if they can find somebody uh, to do some kind of a creative trade with them, 
they should go ahead and do it. Yeah, I was, I was thinking today, we talked about this so much in the off season that, you know, we, we felt like Baker and Odell were going to figure this thing out. But then I would also, you know, we'd also say, but hey, you get to the end of October and it's not working, then you've got to seriously consider trading him. Well, here we are. You're at the end of October and like they acquired this guy in 2019. It's, it's not working. So they've, if they don't make a decision before the trade deadline on Tuesday, they're going to have to make a decision in the off season. Uh, so, so what do you think precipitates basically an Odell trade? And I mean, you said it's not about, it's not about what you can get back, but do the Browns have to think about that a little bit at least? You know, I, I don't think so, really. I, I don't think it would be as much about the draft pick compensation as it would be about some of the other things, right? I can't remember what Stefan Gilmore went for, but that was not, not much like a 2023 sixth or something like that, or a twenty. Exactly. I mean, when you get to this point, it's about change of scenery and it is about, um, again, saving a little bit of, of cash, uh, you know, saving a few pennies, $8 million. That's nothing to sneeze at. Right. And once again, if, if Baker isn't going to throw him the ball, and Baker would be better served by having somebody else on the field, then, you know, then it's, you know, to have him around is almost the law of diminishing returns, right? Now, Kevin Stefanski did talk today about how he clears people out and he does all those kind of things, but that's a pretty expensive decoy, right? I mean, once Donovan Peoples-Jones is back, you know, I think you can find a way to accomplish the passing game uh, without having Odell Beckham Jr. on the field when he's really not going to be contributing that much. And uh, I just don't think Baker feels comfortable with him. I think it's pretty obvious now that Baker just does not feel super comfortable throwing Odell the ball. Yeah. And then look, I mean, a lot of that, we, we all kind of know some of that is coach speak, right? It's trying to give a guy credit for what he's doing and and keep everybody happy and, and say the right things publicly. But of course, you, you don't want to pay this much money for a decoy. You know, your top wide receiver needs to get the football. You know, you don't hear you don't hear Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray talking about how great of a decoy DeAndre Hopkins is. Or I mean, you, go to, you know, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers talking about how much he loves having Devontae Adams as a decoy. You know, the, the ball's got to go to these guys. Yeah, not only that, remember a couple of weeks ago when, you know, when he talked, he said, you know, you know, I'm I'm James Harden. I'm a shooter. Right. I, I You know, I'm not just a, a blocker. I'm not out there, you know, to block and, and be a decoy. That's not what you have an Odell Beckham Jr. around for. He's a dynamic playmaker and you have to find a way to get the ball into his hands. One thing I'm surprised that they haven't done more of is get him the ball in higher percentage situations, right? And, and let him get some run after catch, uh, let him run a few more reverses, let Jarvis Landry get involved with him a little bit, maybe have him throw a, a pass, do some gadget plays. I, I you know, I, I felt like Kevin Stefanski did a better job last year, at least if we looked at that Dallas game, of, of finding ways to get Odell Beckham Jr. involved. And I think you have to do that early on. I think like Landry, he's one of those players that you've got to capture him early on in the game and get him rolling and get him like heating up. So that when you need him to run a 50 yard reverse in the fourth quarter, he's like ready to do that. Or when you need him to catch that clutch touchdown pass in the fourth quarter, uh, he is 100% locked in for you. That's just how, how it goes with him. 
And I just find it preposterous that, you know, six games that Odell Beckham Jr. has played, he's had yardage in the production in the 20 yardage or less four times. And it's going in the wrong direction. One for six against the Steelers. I mean, he was on the field for 43 snaps. So it's not like he wasn't out there. Uh, it, it's just, it's hard to wrap my brain around the fact that you can't find uh, some more offensive production for Odell Beckham Jr. In a game when you scored 10 points, 10 <laughs> points. Think about that. He doesn't have any touchdown catches this season. Now, some of that is uh, he struggled a couple times himself in the red zone. Okay. And I think that's where Baker lost faith and trust in him. Uh, you know, when they're not connecting, you know, then Baker's just then loses uh, his, you know, his desire to throw him the ball in those crucial situations. And as we talked about right before we came on here, that was not a good throw at the two on the final drive. Okay. There was no way that, that Odell could have, could have caught that ball unless, I mean, he, he, jumped as hard as high as he could have and he reached his hand up as high as he could have and you know that would have been a miracle a halloween miracle if somehow he could have caught that that needed to be a better ball right there yeah and, and if he does catch it he might not be finishing that game that was that was a tough throw and, and a tough play to haul in and there were defenders bearing down it's it's hard for me to blame him on that one now you know to be fair he's he's had some drops this year mm-hmm he dropped the key fourth down uh, against the Chargers. So there have been issues on his end as well. You know, yesterday Jarvis had the drops. He had the fumble. Uh, but again, when it just comes down to that Baker and Odell connection, it's just, it's really, it's, it's not working. Is, what are we saying, Mary Kay, if Odell Beckham gets traded to, I don't know, whatever team and just almost instantly hits the ground running? Is that a nightmare scenario for the Browns or is that just part of like, if they made the decision to move on, you just have to live with the fact that that might happen. Well, the thing is, and the Patriots are, are famous for this. You really don't want to trade him to someone that's going to come back and hurt you in the playoffs. Right. So you, you don't really want to trade him to Kansas city. I mean, you want to trade him outside the AFC and you don't want you. I mean, you just don't want him. Uh, to knock you out of the AFC championship game or whatever the case may be. So don't know exactly uh, if anything can happen or how anything can happen. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are at least some discussions going on, some effort to try to do something uh, and just kind of put everybody out, out of their misery when it comes to this. But I mean, as you mentioned, it's really not just Odell. It's uh, the passing game is, is just fractured and broken right now. And uh, I mean, they have, they still have time to get it together, but they are kind of running out of time. They have good def They're playing good defenses. They're playing better defenses down the stretch in 2021 than they played in 2020. Okay. So when they turned it around last year in 2020, they were playing some, inferior defenses in the second half of that season, including the Pittsburgh Steelers backups in the season finale, which helped them get into in a close game, by the way, helped them, got them into the playoffs. All right. Uh, This time they don't have the luxury of playing the, you know, always playing the 28th ranked defense and the 29th ranked defense and the 30th ranked defense. 
I mean, they have to play the Steelers defense again. That's a good defense. They've got to play the Bengals defense twice. Good defense. Baltimore Ravens twice. Good defense. I mean, right there, uh, you know, Green Bay Packers, they have to play the Packers. Uh, they've got to play the Patriots. So it's, it's not like, you know, they're on easy street down the stretch. This offense is going to have to get it together against some of the better defenses in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, so obviously that brings us to uh, a lot of questions about the offense just in general. And let's just start here. Matt Fleming from Long Island, New York. Hey, Mary Kay, what will it take for the Browns to bench Baker until he's fully healthy? Continuing to trot him out there at less than 100% will only hurt the team. Is it time? And I know you, you've written this before. You've said this before. Is it time for the Browns to seriously consider shutting Baker down for a stretch? Well, you know, the hard part is that, you know, the, the team doctors and his own specialist gave him the green light to play in this past game. So if the docs are saying it, okay, it's okay. You know, what excuse are you going to have to shut down your starting quarterback? Right. I mean, that, that makes it very difficult. The only way that they could do it for this game in Cincinnati, if they could establish that on one of those sacks or one of those falls or whatever, or one of those hits that, that he suffered some further damage to the shoulder, they could justify it that way. I mean, they have an out, he's got a shoulder injury. Um, but if the docs are saying he's fine, I don't think he's getting shut down. I think they're going to try to let him work through this. But, uh, but it, it's tough. I mean, th- this is hard. This is kind of hard to, it's hard to watch everybody going through this. Now, if Jarvis Landry doesn't have one of the worst games of his entire career, it's probably a different game. You know, I mean, maybe we're having a whole entirely different conversation if he catches a couple of those passes or doesn't fumble that ball. And then, and we're like, oh, of course Baker should have started that game. He's, he's good to go. You want your starting quarterback out there. So, you know, fortunately for them, and you wrote about this today, uh, fortunately for them, they still have time to right the ship. I mean, if they go down to Cincinnati and win that game in Cincinnati, you know, they're, they're right in the thick of it. They are absolutely right in the thick of it. I mean, Cincinnati did them a huge favor by losing to those Jets. Huge favor. I mean, that, that would have put some space between, between those two teams. And now, I mean, you could have two, five, and four football teams on Sunday at 4 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is an absolutely gigantic game because, it, you know, Cincinnati gets to 6-3 and three and drops the Browns to below 500. You, you know, you, you start to get a little worried about, about where this is going to go. Uh, but, yeah, you go there and, and beat Cincinnati. That's kind of the thing about the schedule. The Browns are in last place in the north. They're, I think, ninth in the AFC playoff picture. And every team they play outside of Detroit and Green Bay is ahead of them in the AFC standings. So they're either going to play their way in or they're going to play their way out one way or the other. And, and it kind of starts this week. And I, I do think that's a, a good point to make about Baker. Jarvis Landry catches that fourth down. Maybe today we're talking about Baker and how he gutted it out and was led, find, led them on that game-winning drive we've talked about over and over again and, and made it so that Ben Roethlisberger didn't get to run off the field with his arms in the air. Um, but, you know, it, it's a very different discussion sometimes just because of one play. 
Absolutely. 100%. Because really, truthfully, even though Baker got off to a really slow start in that game, and I thought he sailed some of his passes and he held onto the ball a little bit too long in some instances. I mean, for the most part, uh, he came back in the second half and did what he was supposed to do. He did his job and he did not get the help uh, that he needed to get in that football game when everybody needed to rally around him and, uh, and come up with, with the play. I mean, it, it was, it was startling to see Jarvis have that kind of a game. And we never see Jarvis have that kind of a game. And then, you know, other people kind of pitched in Richard dropped a pass. Hooper dropped a pass. Uh, Dearness Johnson dropped a pass. Uh, it, it, two guys, two receivers false starting. You cannot have that. You can't have receivers false starting. Jarvis did it. Richard did it. Clutch moments. Um, so yes, I think we are talking about an entirely different Baker Mayfield if Jarvis had made some of those plays. Yeah, I mean Richard Higgins was like halfway into his route when they threw that flag. He, he was he was off and running on that false start. You, you don't mm-hmm. see that. You don't see that a false start that egregious uh, very often. So this kind of leads into what a lot of people were getting to. And I think this question from Josh Steele in San Francisco, California, kind of gets us some of these other questions as well. Hey, Mary Kay, how much blame should we place at the feet of Kevin Stefanski for the tepid performance of the offense, specifically Odell Beckham not being involved more, but also the lack of vertical passing as a whole? Well, you know, I have to wonder if they are still dialing back the vertical passing because of Baker's injury or if because it's just not there uh, and he's been struggling in that regard. He's way down at the bottom of the barrel in passes of 20 yards or more, completions of 20 yards or more. Um, I don't know because I think you can hit those plays. I really do. I think that I think that I still think they need to rely more on a guy like David Njoku. I mean, look what happened in the second half when they went to him a couple of times back to back. I mean, he, he comes up with the play much of the time, not all the time. Uh, he, he still occasionally has his moments, but not as much as most of the other guys. So I would be getting the ball to him more yesterday. I mentioned this also on our, on our podcast. And I asked Kevin Stefanski about it today. I would have run Dearness Johnson more. There are certain games in which I'm puzzled by the use of the personnel. Okay. So in this particular game, I would have found more for Odell Beckham Jr. to do, whether it would have been on jet sweeps or reverses or let him throw a pass or catch a pass from Jar- whatever, give him something to do so that he can be involved and make dynamic plays. Uh, I would have run Dearness Johnson more. Uh, in this game, in part because Nick Chubb was coming off of a calf injury. That's a tough injury to try to come back from. And Dearness Johnson, again, he had the hot hand last last week. Why not see what he can do? Uh, you know, give him a chance to maybe like heat up a little bit and see if he can make some yards. Um, I would have probably gone to Dave Njoku maybe a little sooner in the game. I still think there's this concerted effort to try to get the ball uh, to Austin Hooper more than perhaps is necessary. I forget how many targets he actually ended up having in this game. He had six targets, which was the second most to Jarvis in this game. And he caught four, four, is that 36 yards? My glasses on. Uh, So yeah, he caught four for, oh my God, four for 26 yards. Um, 
so yeah, I, I mean, Dave Njoku is, and I've been saying this for a long, long time, is is a bigger play threat. He's a bigger play threat. Uh, but it took a long time to get him involved in the game. So some of the the use of the personnel isn't really necessarily, I think, what you know, what I would do. I mean, how, don't you do you agree with that to some extent, Dan? I, I think one one thing. Um... And, and I didn't bring this up yesterday on the post-game pod because I didn't think about it, but when we talk about Dearness Johnson and, and playing him, uh, Stump Mitchell was not there yesterday. It was Ryan Cordell, who was the running backs coach. And Stump is the guy who kind of doles out the playing time for the running backs and says, okay, you go in, you know, it's your turn. Sometimes I'm sure it's dictated by the play call or, or the package they want to send in. But when it comes to who's carrying the football, mm-hmm. Stump Mitchell plays a, a big role in that. And, and I actually kind of wonder you know, unfortunately, I didn't think of it earlier today, but now at, at this point, I do kind of wonder if um, if that was something uh, that, that may be why they stuck with Nick Chubb more than Dearness Johnson. I, I just think it's bizarre how they can't get these wide receivers going at all. Mm-hmm. It's just that's the thing that really kind of. You know, I've talked about the tight end group. I don't I don't love the tight end group as a whole. I think they're fine. Um, you know, Austin Hooper had a drop yesterday. Uh, as well early in the game I think they're fine I don't know that they're game changers but certainly you can get them more involved but just the wide receivers in general to not be able to get these guys going at least a little bit more has been a frustration and I don't know if that's scheme I don't know if that's Baker I don't know if it's those guys being hurt it's it's tough to figure out and I mean based on a lot of the questions we got that was sort of the theme like why are they having so much trouble getting this offense going? And there were a couple of people that asked specifically about the receivers. Yes, it's, it's very puzzling. First of all, the Browns have a total of seven touchdown passes this year. Baker has six of those in his seven games, and Case Keenum has one, okay? Six touchdown passes for Baker Mayfield. I mean, think about this, Dan. People were predicting, Dan Orlovsky's prediction was 37 touchdown passes for Baker this season in this offense. That's what this offense is designed to do. I mean, before the season, we were referring to this again as the pick your poison offense. So it really is very puzzling. It is very difficult to fathom that, that they've got seven touchdown passes and that in four of their last five games, they have scored 17 points or fewer, including 14 points or fewer on three of those occasions. Okay. That is so mind boggling to me because I mean, they were so money in the red zone last year. Again, you know, I think some of it had to do with the fact that, um, I think some of it had to do the fact with the fact that they, they did not play the juggernauts of the defensive world down the stretch last year. And I remember talking about it and harping on it. I harped on it a fair amount. And I always felt like I was being the Debbie downer, but the reason why you have to look at what is real and take an unflinching look at the truth is because you're not going to get better and you're not going to fix it. If you think that that was okay. You know, it, it, it wasn't okay to just almost beat the Jaguars last year right? It wasn't okay to just almost beat the Steelers backups last year. You have to look and realize that there's a systemic issue going on 
if that is what what the deal is. I mean, you you've got to do better than that. I mean, even the Titans, you got they got into a shootout with the Titans last year, but the, the Titans last year had a horrible defense, right? And they never faced any of the like the really good pass rushers, so they didn't really have to worry too much about um, you know about protecting Baker in the second half of the season. He had a pretty clean pocket and a pretty clean uniform most of the time. And now they're running into reality and, uh, and they haven't been handling it well. And, and like I said, I think Kevin Stefanski will be the first one to tell you uh, that he needs to do a better job. And I think one of the ways that he needs to do a better job is in deployment of personnel and usage of personnel. Sometimes it's almost like they have too many guys and they're trying to like divide up the pie in too many ways. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, they've got Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and that's it. And they just keep getting the ball to Tyreek and Travis, right? That's all they do. That's all they have. I mean, the Browns almost have too many options, and they're not handling it well, I don't think. They're, they're not always handling it well. I mean, David Njoku did not have a target in the first half of that game. When he finally did end up getting a couple of targets, and I think his catch rate is pretty good this year. When he did end up getting a couple of targets, he caught three, all three of them. He caught all three of them for 39 yards, including a long of 24, which, by the way, was the longest pass of the game, the longest, the longest catch of the game by David Njoku. Well, that didn't show up until the third quarter. What are you doing waiting until the third quarter to get him the ball? Because Austin Hooper's your number one guy? Well, Austin Hooper doesn't have to be your number one guy. If David Njoku is a more dangerous weapon or a bigger threat. So I do think that, that they need to examine or re-examine some of their personnel usage a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's um, and it does seem a little bit like teams have, uh, and this is something that, that we talked about during the offseason too, the teams kind of have adjusted and they've, made some changes to how they defend Baker Mayfield. And he's obviously, you know, he was protecting himself a lot yesterday and the Steelers kind of hemmed him into the pocket. And as we know, he's just not as effective when you keep him in the pocket. Yes. And you know what, that is something. And I think that we talked about this in the off season. We talked about this on our, our podcasts during the summer about um, how were teams going to try to defend Baker Mayfield and what were they going to take away? Some good defenses are taking away some of those boots and keepers. If you've got a guy that can get out there uh, on those keepers and, and mess you up in that way, then you're not going to be able to run those kinds of plays. And that's where Baker made most of his hay last year. So, you know, some of it, I think, has to do with that. What defenses are doing and how defenses are playing them. And that, you know, that was the big, that was the big issue. And, you know, I mean, now you really do have to look at, I still think that the Browns 100% believe that Baker is their guy. Okay. I, you know, that's the vibe I keep getting that Baker is their guy. But I mean, right now the climate is not right to jump into a big contract extension. And it would have been, I mean, if this, if he had 16 touchdown passes right now, They'd be sitting down at the negotiating table. They would be sitting down at the negotiating table. They would have had substantive talks about an extension by now. But the fact that he had 
he's off to a slow start. The passing game is off to a slow start and he's injured with his shoulder injury that could require a surgery in the off season. I think will require a surgery in the off season. You can't let a torn labrum just linger. You can't do that because the shoulder will continue to pop out. I mean, you just can't, you've got to sew that thing up and put that thing to rest. Uh, but I do think that it, it changes the extension game. I think it says, let's wait, let's wait until after the season and see where this is all going. It certainly complicates things when they move forward trying to make this decision and, and how much Baker is going to want, how much they're willing to give him and, and how much they're willing uh, to commit to him. It's crazy. The, the Steelers do this to the Browns. It's, it's incredible. The Steelers have done this to the Browns forever, right? Like things are going fine. You've talked yourself into this team for all the warts, the injuries. They were, they had beaten Denver on Thursday night football. They'd gotten through that week. They were going to finish off the Steelers and Pittsburgh just comes in and beats the Browns and leaves them just questioning everything about them themselves mm-hmm. as a, as a franchise, as an organization, or at least the fan base that uh, just leaves everyone questioning this team and leaves the fan base in shambles on Twitter and talk radio and, and all of that. It's just, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good they are, how bad they are. This is just what the Steelers do to the Browns. Well, it, it almost, you know, it almost fit the script of Ben Roethlisberger's career, right. For him to come in here uh, on Halloween uh, you know, like he was Freddy Krueger or somebody (laughs) (laughs) and and, uh, you know, put fright night into, into the Cleveland Browns on Halloween like that. Um, He, he turned out to be the grim reaper. Not, not that he had an amazing game or anything like that, but for him to be able to go out with a victory uh, in a game that clearly, clearly, absolutely 100% the Browns should have won. Um, But I've been saying this, I had been saying this also. We've talked a lot about the Steelers on this podcast too. Whenever you have a really good defense and they have a really good defense, it's not as good as it used to be. And they, they have some injuries right now. Um, it's not as good. They're not as quite as good up front as they were last year, but they're a good enough defense to win some football games for you. And and that's what they're going to do. I mean, they could, they could end up with nine victories this year. They could still contend for the playoffs. I mean, they could be in the thick of it all the way up to the end because they have a defense and now they have a running game. Now they have, that's a good running back that they have. And that, that changes things. Your quarterback doesn't have to be Tom Brady to get to, to that many victories. If you've got a good defense and a good running game. And that was just one of the, we talked about this in the post game. So, you know, it's, it's, we, we don't have to beat this drum too much, but like, I know they gave up 15 points and I know that the, the stats looked good, but I don't, part, part of it is the way the Steelers were able to run the ball against this defense. This has been a good run defense and with that offensive line, they shouldn't be able to run the ball like they did against the Browns. And I, I just, I'm not convinced that was some kind of great defensive performance. You're right. I mean, you know, they, they did give up. I mean, how many yards did uh, he, he didn't have a hundred, but he almost had a hundred. No, he? but I, he, I think he ended up with a decent average. Um, oh yeah, he did. He averaged. It might've dropped, might dropped in the second half. I've got to pull yeah. up the game book here. But he had 91 yards. I mean, he had 91 yards rushing and they had 115 overall, which, you know, was decent, but um, that that's a good running back. And you're right. I mean, you don't want, um, you know, you don't want to let, a back like that run all over you. And I mean, for the most part, 
I mean, the Browns for the most part had a, had a pretty complete defense, right? I mean, they did lose John Johnson, the three in that game, but they're, they're kind of deep at the safety position. So that should not be a catastrophic loss for them, especially because John Johnson hasn't even really come into his own yet per se. Now they didn't have Denzel Ward either, but fortunately for them, Greedy Williams has played well enough this year that it's covered up for Denzel being a little injured and Denzel being off to a slow start. So they, I mean, they're darn lucky that, that Greedy has played as well as he has. Um, but we did talk about this on, on the post-game pod last night, and that is, and I have not looked up all of the takeaway numbers yet, but in the first half, at least, of last season, they were taking the ball away like crazy. Miles was getting in there, stripping it, and digging it out. Uh, he still has yet to come up with his first strip, his first sack fumble. He doesn't have that. And, um, and they're just not taking the ball away. I mean, that, that makes all the difference in the world. That makes all the difference in the world when you're getting those takeaways. So if they can get that turned around, and I'm shocked that it's, that it's not happening. Because, I mean, we watch practice every single day. That whole first part of practice that we watch, so much of it is our takeaway drills. I mean, it's just strip drills, interception drills, um, recovery drills. They really rep it over and over and over again. And I just keep waiting to see it happen on the field. And I've been very surprised about that. Okay, let's get to a couple of questions, uh, sort of resetting expectations here for the Browns after that game. Like I said, the Steelers just mess with people's heads here in, in Cleveland, uh, and, and I get it. So Stacy in Columbus says, hey, Mary Kay, is it time to come to terms with the fact that this team is just not that good? Now, Stacy kind of defines what, what they mean by that. And by not that good, I mean fringe playoff contender at best and not a realistic Super Bowl contender. Well, I mean, at four and four, obviously, you know, you have to say that uh, you have to kind of change your expectations perhaps a little bit, especially like me and I think you, we picked them to go 12 and five, right? And I think we're going to be a little off on that this year. But... um, I still feel like there's enough talent on this football team that if the, if the lights come on, I I still feel like they can accomplish what they want to accomplish this season. It would help if, if I think Kareem hunt is a pretty big loss on offense. I really do. I mean, he, you know, in that game yesterday, he, you know, he could have been the difference in a game like that. Right. I mean, you know, he's, he, he brings it against, you know, in those division games, he brings it at home. I do think that they miss him a lot. Uh, now they're going to be without Jack Conklin. I think that's very significant. Jack Conklin's going to be out for a while. We don't know how long he's going to be out yet, but he's going to miss a good chunk of the rest of this season, I think. Um, and and that, that's significant. Now, um, Blake Hans has come in and done a nice job, but he's not an all pro, right? So teams will try to take advantage of of that side of, of the offensive line. And, um, and it puts you into a depth situation too. Like now you got to be worried about what if Jed goes down again with an ankle injury, and then you're back to James Hudson and Blake Hans. And that's not good when you've got a quarterback with an injured left shoulder. Um, but I still think 
that once again, all they have to do is go down to Cincinnati and win this game. And the entire feeling about this season changes all over again. It brings you right back into, okay, they've got this. They can do this. I mean, they still have five division games left. They control their own destiny. They've got all of those games in which they're double games and, and they, you know, they just have to go out and, and seize that moment. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of it does start with Baker. And then they've got to find weapons. They've got to find the weapons that are going to be able to come through for him. Having Donovan Peoples-Jones back would help too. I don't know if he'll be back this game or not yet though. Yeah, the, I mean, this loss puts them in a tough spot. They're four and four, right? We, we've talked about all that, but you know, you go to Cincinnati, you get to kind of take a deep breath if you beat that team. Mm-hmm. If you lose that game, now you're four and five, and now you've got to go to New England. And New England's not a pushover. You know, they beat the Chargers. They're such a weird team. Like, you know, before they had beaten the Chargers, they hadn't really beaten anyone, but the, all their losses were to really good team. So they were they're they're still kind of a tough team to read, but you don't want to go to new England on a two game losing streak and sitting at four and five uh-uh. um, it starts to get real tense kind of if, if that happens. So this, so this is a really, that word must win. will probably get thrown around a lot this week. You know, I, I know you, you don't love that word unless it's actually a must win. I kind of feel the same way, but like, uh-huh. this is about as close to a must win as you get without it actually being a literal must win game just because of, I think what it does to this team psychology if they lose. Yes, absolutely. And again, as you mentioned, as we mentioned, it's, it's a double game. I mean, you lose this game and you, you are putting the Bengals in a position of strength to go out and try to seize the moment with, um, you know, trying to win the division or, or, you know, beat the Ravens for the division. So it, it is, it's, it's enormous. And I think the Cincinnati Bengals, um, in some ways, it might almost be worse for the Browns that they lost to the Jets because they're going to feel the sting of that loss and they're going to come home and come go out and play with their hair on fire. And I think they're trying to make statements in the AFC North with when they meet up with their AFC North big brothers, they're trying to take it to them and show them, Hey, you guys didn't think we were anything this year. Nobody gave us the time of day. We were just, you know, the Bengals. And we're not the Bengals anymore. The Bengals is not the Bengals, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, I I think that that they're going to go want to go out and not only avenge that crushing loss on October 25th last year in Cincinnati, where Joe Burrow just played lights out and dueled with Baker Mayfield. And that was just a classic football game. And I, I think that, you know, they're going to want to go out and, and win uh, and, and beat the Browns just like they beat the Ravens, just like they beat the Steelers. They've got a lot on the line. I mean, they, they have a bona fide chance to win the division. And this is going to be one heck of a football game. It really is. All right. Our last question, this comes from Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. He wants to do some, some rankings here. Have you pick a quarterback? Um, kind of based on who the Browns have to play. And I'm going to add one more to this list. So he says, hey, Mary Kay, thinking about the next couple of weeks, assuming all are healthy, rank the quarterbacks you take to run your offense the next 10 years. So Baker, Joe Burrow, who the Browns play next week, Mac Jones, who they play the week after that. And then I'm going to throw in, just for the fun of it, because he's coming up soon, uh, Lamar Jackson in there as well. 
because he's pretty, he might be, well, I guess he's probably not younger than Mac Jones, but um, he's, he's one of the younger ones in that group, surprisingly. So Baker Burrow, Mac Jones, Lamar Jackson running an offense for the next 10 years. Tom wants to know how we might rank those. Mm, so interesting. I have not watched enough of Mac Jones yet this season. Maybe, yeah. maybe you have. Have you watched a lot of them? A, a little bit. I don't think I would put him ahead of those guys yet. I think he's been, you know, I've, I've got to see more of them. I just, I don't, I don't know for sure that, that he's a guy I would pick over any, any of the court, other quarterbacks we listed. I, I think he's having a nice year, but I think, I think it's still a little unclear exactly who he is. You know, I think I'm going to go with Joe Burrow first. There's just something about Joe Burrow uh, that, that I, that I really like. Um, and I really like Lamar Jackson too. There's a lot that I like about Lamar Jackson's game, but I think, I mean, think about this. This is only Joe Burrow's second season, right? I mean, it's right. this is because he, you know, suffered the, the torn ACL. So really this is his you know, like second season. So um, I, I just really like him. So I'm going to put him first and then I'm going Lamar. And then like I said, I, I haven't seen enough of Mac, um, but maybe he goes next. I don't know. He might go next <laughs> and then Baker. Wow. Yeah. I just, I, I, I'm kind of, I just haven't seen enough of Mac Jones. I haven't watched a ton of Patriots. I mean, we all watched him go against the, the Bucks that one Sunday night game. He was impressive, but um, just haven't seen enough of him yet to, to know for sure. I think I would go Lamar one. Mm-hmm. I just really, I know you've got to run a certain type of offense with Lamar. You've got to really showcase his skill set. But I just, I really like how he's kind of bounced back this year as a thrower. And he, like Joe Burrow is probably always going to be a better, just pure passer than Lamar. Mm -hmm. But there's just something about Lamar. You know, the guy is, I mean, he's won the MVP. I know he hasn't had a ton of success in the playoffs yet. There's, there's just something about Lamar that I, I think he's going to continue to get better and better. And, and again, you know, the funny thing is he's not even 25 yet. So I think he turns 25 in January. So I, I think there's still upside there with Lamar too, especially as they mm-hmm. get him some more weapons in Baltimore. And then, yeah, I'd probably go Burrow, Baker, and then Mac Jones. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I haven't seen enough of Mac and recency bias. I've just, I've got bad Baker in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's and- why we're recording this right after the, yeah, there was always a little recency bias. Yeah, I mean, if he goes down to Cincinnati and lights it up, um, you know, then then that change, you know, I think that would change the way I feel about it at this moment. But where do we put Josh Allen and all of that? And why didn't why did we leave him out? What are well, we doing? Well, because uh, the the texter was only asking about players that coming up. Oh, okay. so like quarterbacks yeah. the Browns were going to play, and I, that's why I threw Lamar into that mix. Oh yeah, I gotcha. Okay. I mean, if we threw um, Josh Allen into the mix, and it's just pure chaos. With that. <laughs> that's right. Um, so yeah, that, that's a tough one. Now I've got to go. Well, we're going to have a chance to study some Mac coming up here very, very soon. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't have a good handle on if I think right now. I'd rather have him for the next 10 years over Baker. And I, but I think that the debate between Lamar and Joe, that's an interesting one. I think if you put, we should do a poll on it. If you put, if we ask 10 people or, you know, 20 people, I think it would be right down the middle. Don't you? 
yeah, I, yeah, it would be very, it'd be very interesting, I think. And it's always tough to ask Browns fans that question because they don't like the Ravens and they certainly right. don't want to like Lamar Jackson. Right. But yeah, I, I think it, I think it would be very interesting to see kind of who people would prefer out of those two. Yes. And Bur- it might be Burrow just because he's the more traditional quarterback. Yeah, it might be, but I mean, look what Lamar has been able to achieve. And I think the, one of the things that throws me off is it hasn't really sustained itself through the playoffs. Right. Right. I don't know why. I mean, why, why, why hasn't it? I, I don't know. I mean, they've got to learn to get over that hump, but um, so I think that, I think that throws me off a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens when Joe gets into the playoffs, but there's just something I like about his game. And I think his upside is absolutely tremendous. And, you know, for me, it's just one of those moments that I'll never forget sitting in that press box and watching Lamar, you know, John Harbaugh is trying to figure out what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. He's going to try some crazy long field goal. And then all of a sudden he finds out Lamar's coming back, just runs out of the locker room and leads the Ravens to a win. Yes. And he, <laughs> yes. And, and he does that. And I, and that is what I've been saying that Cleveland Browns and, and their fans need to see Baker do more. You need to see Baker come storming back out onto the field and you, and have that confidence that he is going to take you down and win the football game for you, no matter what he's going to make that happen. And that's the thing uh, that, you know, that we just haven't seen yet. Now he's got, nine more games to do that for the rest of the season. And he's going to have to like rise up from the ashes and, and get this thing turned around and do some of those magical things uh, in, in order to, you know, to get the Browns back to where they need to be. Well, last time the Browns were in Cincinnati, he had one of those moments mm-hmm. that, that people want to see just over and over again. So well, maybe, maybe this is going to be this another start going back to Paul Brown stadium. It was kind of around this time of year too. Oh yes. Like the end of October, I think. Yeah. It was the game when Odell got hurt. So yeah. It was October like 25th, October. Yeah. October 25th. Yep. So uh, should, should be very, very interesting. And again, the, look, the AFC is wide open and got more wide open today when Derrick Henry had foot surgery. Yeah. So there is still a lot of football to go. It's in what already feels like the longest NFL season ever. It is the longest NFL season ever. I mean, what you just said, I mean, right there, I mean, look, look how wide open it is. I mean, I I had them getting to the AFC championship game and then basically not being able to get past the chiefs. Well, forget that. And then heading into yesterday, I was like, wow, you know, now it's like, you really have to, to worry about trying to get past the Titans and and that's a humongous loss for them. Absolutely. It, op- it opens up everything. It's anybody's ball game now. And by the way, I'm still a little angry at the Bengals because they knocked me out of my survivor pool yesterday. Oh, well, yeah. you're going to get them this week. Well, I, I can't now. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write some really nasty things about the Bengals this week. So you have to yeah. have my revenge. Sorry. All right. <laughs> I was, I, I well, it was funny before the game, I sent him my pick late and I, you know, it's, it's one of our staffers, Mark Bona that runs the pool. And I sent an email to him. I said, I'm picking the Bengals and I can't believe we live in a world where picking the Bengals is a smart choice. And he replied that, yeah, you know, it's, it's a crazy world we live in. Yeah. And four hours later, I sent him an email and just said, well, guess not. <laughs> 
I mean, you would have thought that that would be a no brainer, right? I mean, backup quarterback for the Jets, right? That's what I was thinking. Oh, my goodness. This is why no one should ever take my advice. All right. <laughs> that'll do it for uh, this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to our football insider subscribers for all the great questions. Uh, if we didn't get to yours, apologize for that. We had a, a lot of really good questions. So tried to hit on all the themes that you guys sent in. Uh, if you're not a football insider subscriber, go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. All right, Mary Kay, I will talk to you later. Sounds good.